Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. He did a dream, a dream, though what's harder to live. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. What is going on, America? It is episode 146 of the Hooper's Log, and it is May 31st. I hope you had a very safe and uh, festive and uh, memorable Memorial Day weekend. I hope you had a very safe one. I hope you had a very uh, commemorative, uh, reverent, uh, all sorts of things that you can do on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Had some barbecue, enjoyed some time to reflect. And uh, remember those who have honored our country or those who have uh, passed on and uh, that remembering are worth remembering. Um, anyone in your family that you were from remembered, uh, that was what it was. And uh, over the weekend, boy, the world of basketball finally got its matchup of the NBA Finals. And who's shocked? It's a rematch. It's a rematch. Round two. We got ourselves a rematch of the NBA Finals from last year. LeBron versus Steph, it's getting hot right now in the NBA. we got a lot of bunch of other news that happened in the NBA off the court uh, that's worth mentioning as well. This should be a rather quick episode. We're going to recap what happened in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. We're going to preview the NBA Finals on Thursday. Our next show is from here on out for the rest of June here on CLNS Radio. We are only going to be doing Tuesday and Thursday shows. I also have a very poor phone signal so if i cut out i apologize i just moved in to my new place and uh it has been a very very long weekend of moving in it's looking real good we just got internet uh plugged in uh life is working well if you'd like to call into the phone number the phone number is 323-642-1558 is the number if you want to talk about the western conference finals or the eastern conference finals please be my guest uh, it's been a hectic last three days for me. I did find a way to watch the, the conclusion of the Eastern Conference Finals. I found a way to watch Game 6 and Game 7 in my new place without Internet. It worked. It found, we found a way on the phone, uh, and, and, it, and it happened, and it got done. It was an incredible Western Conference Finals. I know the storyline is going to say that the uh, – that the well, we'll just talk about it. We're going to talk about it here in a little bit. And there's also a whole bunch of things going up in the world of sports, uh, in the world of basketball that are worth mentioning and worth getting to. Begin. If you'd like to call in and talk about the Western Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, or any of the other drama going on court in the world of basketball, please feel free to do so. Hey, Kevin Hart, where you at? I need to get you in here. 
so that we can get this show on the road. Should be a quick one today. If I'm independent, I'll be there by myself. If not, episode 146 of the Hooper's Log. Let's get it going. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. Let's just talk about it. Game, let's go to the Eastern Conference Finals first. Let's recap what happened. Game six wasn't even close on the road in Toronto. Absolute domination fest. And again, if I, if I fall off the line, I apologize. Uh, the, uh, the line is very, very tough here where I live. I will find a way to make it work as time moves forward, but this is what I have to work with. Eastern Conference Finals game six, Cleveland routed Toronto in Toronto, 113-87. to LeBron James is the only non-Celtic. Think about this. The only non-Celtic in NBA history to go to straight six straight NBA finals. I mean, think about that. You got guys in the past like Jerry West, Michael Jordan. You name the legends. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain. Name off players that are non-Celtics. Obviously a guy in, 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 uh, in uh, Bill Russell. He got where he got. Bob Cousy probably as well. But only the eighth player all time, the first non-Celtic in NBA history to go to six straight NBA finals. And he, and he was well, it was well-deserved for him. Well-deserved for a guy in LeBron James and a historic, incredible career with what he's done and how he's gotten to where he's gotten to. And to look at what he's done career and to really solidify how it happened here in game six, 33 points, 13 to 22 from the field, 11 rebounds, six assists, three blocks. He only turned the ball over three times. And the rest of his teammates really helped him out. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love combined for 50 points. Uh, Kevin Love, he had 20 and 12. And then he also had four assists. And Kyrie Irving had 30 points, nine assists, three steals, and four rebounds. You talk about a performance by this starting rotation to come in and absolutely dominate. And DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry played outstanding in game six, by the way. Kyle Lowry had 35 points for a crescendo of the final game of the season. And possibly DeMar DeRozan's final game of his career in Toronto, uh, 20 points. Apparently the the goal in Toronto is to try and get DeMar DeRozan to stay and also try and keep Bismack Biombo for the efforts he had in the postseason. Um, But that's a pretty heroic performance, 50 55 points by DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, and they still only scored 87. That's a that's a bench problem, and that's also a defense problem that they gave up 113. They got absolutely shellacked in game uh, in game uh, six here as Cleveland wins the Eastern Conference Finals 4-2 in the series, and they win game six 113 to 87, an absolute domination fest, and six straight finals for LeBron. Think about this: the last time LeBron James didn't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I was a freshman in college. I'm now 25. I was 19 the last time he didn't make it. I mean, think about that. The man was – I was 19 years old the last time LeBron James didn't make it to the NBA. I mean, that's crazy. That is absolute insanity the last time he didn't make it. And, and, and that, was, that was the year that the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers made it to the, uh, the NBA Finals in 2010. And think about this. This is also blasphemy. This just kind of ran off the top of my mind when I was thinking about it today at work. But did you know that outside of the Detroit Pistons in 2005, there have been since – I mean, think about this. There have only been four teams in the NBA who have gone to the NBA Finals out of, out of the Eastern Conference. If you can name them all, that would be awesome. That's a pretty good trivia question. Think about it. 
you have the Heat in 06, 07, Cavs, 08, Orlando. Or excuse me, excuse me. 08 was Celtics. 09 was Orlando. 10 was Celtics. Then, then you had 11, 12, 13, 14 was the Heat. And then two years were the Cavs. The Heat have been to five Eastern Conference or five NBA Finals the last 10 years, and the Cavs have been to three. I mean, think about that. Eight of the last 10, 11 years have been Cavs and Heat, and LeBron's been a part of seven of those. I mean, that's insane. And then you factor in, you know, Orlando with Dwight Howard and what he did, and then the Boston Celtics and their trio. I mean, outside of that, you had the Pistons prior to that, the two years back-to-back, 04 and 05. And then you had, uh, then you had the Nets in uh, 03 and 02. And then obviously the great run by the late, great Allen Iverson in 01. And then prior to that, 2000, which was the Indiana Pacers. And then the Knicks in 99. And then you had the, uh, the Bulls in 98. And then obviously 97, 96 Bulls as well. 95, 94, you had the Magic, and then you also had, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Knicks, although I'm probably wrong on that. And then you had the Bulls, 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 and then the Pistons, Pistons. I mean, this is the Eastern Conference has been relatively a kind of a one or two league, a one or two team league, the conference the last, I would say, five, 10, 15, 20 years. And especially the last, if you think, really think about the last 15 years, this entire century, it's been really a three to four, a two to three team uh, conference the entire time. In Cavs with the last two years, obviously the Heat had the Pacers and Celtics to really compete with them, and then you had, and then you had the Heat and and Celtics, uh, the Celtics and you know those three year run, and then the Heat in Orlando found a way to squeak on through, and then the Heat again in '06 and doing what they did. So it, it's really been very top-heavy in the Eastern Conference. And so seeing what LeBron did in Game 6 again, six straight years, I mean, that's crazy. That is nuts. I mean, and and what's really sad is that now in the NBA, we have this ideal that Steph Curry is is one of the greatest things we've ever seen. Don't get me wrong, greatest shooter of all time. And don't get me wrong, we're going to talk about the Western Conference here in a second. But what LeBron James has done over a long period of time, and I mean, if you eliminate – those two years of the Celtics and that one year by Orlando, I mean, and, and to be honest, LeBron James in 09 should have gotten to the NBA Finals, and it should have been Kobe versus LeBron. It really should have. And if you really think about it, in a, in a nine-year, ten-year stretch, LeBron James, is, in a ten-year stretch, the last ten years, LeBron James has been to seven of the last ten NBA Finals. I mean, just, just think about that. This we knew this coming into two thousand in a two thousand and three draft when LeBron James was coming out of St. Vincent St. Mary, and this guy absolutely has taken the league by storm by going to now seven of the last ten NBA Finals, and he's won two of them. Don't get me wrong, he's he's won two. He's got a chance to win a third, but that legacy all by itself is what we're going to remember. That this guy really carried the league on his back for the last 10 years. There's no debate. I don't care what you say. You want to go and ride Steph Curry, go and ride Kobe Bryant for what he did with the Lakers, which is all legendary. It's all great stuff. And what the Spurs have done the last 15, 20 years, you can talk about all that. But as an individual, LeBron James and what he's done over the last 
10 years has been absolutely awe-inspiring and remarkable. It's been absolutely historic, legendary, crazy, whatever you want to call it. it. LeBron James has been that. And this only solidifies it even more. And people are starting to say, look, if he loses his NBA Finals, his career's a wash, it's this and that. No, step back for a moment and understand the expectations put on this one guy in LeBron James. LeBron James' expectations have been absolutely through the roof the last uh, over the last his whole career. And he's gone to six straight NBA Finals, the only player outside of the Boston Celtics regime and what they did to do what he's done. And he's been absolutely remarkable at doing it. I mean, it is insane what this guy has done, and he just does not get enough credit. I mean, it's, I know people give him enough credit all on its own, but for the most part, you, can't, you just can't knock what this guy's done. He's been absolutely flawless and insane, and, and, and believe me, I get it. He has been... He has been on a, you know, he's he's been in the Eastern Conference where it's been weaker. It hasn't been the stronger of the conferences. No one will debate that. No one will deny that. But at the same time, just knocking him because he hasn't won all of the NBA Finals that he's been a part of. Now, you could probably knock him in 2011. No debate there. They should have won the NBA championship in 2011. There's no debate. I won't ever debate it. I think it's, I think it's ludicrous they didn't win that championship, and they should have. People are going to say, oh, they almost lost in 2013 when they should have dominated the Spurs. Slow down. The Spurs were amazing that year. And then obviously the year they lost in 2014, look, I think that team just hit a wall. Overall, I think they hit a wall. I think LeBron James had to almost carry that team on his back. Dwayne Wade was not looking like the Dwayne Wade we saw in the past. You know, seeing what the, uh, seeing what the Miami Heat had to go through overall as a team that year was very odd and different. And then seeing what the uh, seeing what um, what what he had to do, LeBron James had to do from a perspective of carrying this Cavs team last year with almost nobody. You can't blame him for that. And then to do it again back to back years with the team he has, and and considering the team he's playing, people are considering this Golden State Warrior team the greatest team of all time. I understand always the expectations on LeBron James are going to be at an all-time high. I get it. I understand it. But at the same time, you can't sit here and tell me that LeBron James should be trying to win the NBA championship and, and should win it this year. No, the Warriors are the team to expect to win the championship. They are. So if LeBron loses it this year, I think we'll understand and people saying that this Cavalier team is better than any Miami Heat team that has been in the last five years, you're high. Just to put down the drugs, put down the, 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 the circumstance of whatever you have in your mouth and your system, put it away. No, this Miami Heat team that they had the last five years in the last five years with LeBron James, when he was there for those four years, that was, those were some of the best teams ever. And especially the 2012-2013 team, that was an unbelievable team. Unbelievable. The bench was insane, everything. But this team, if they don't win the title, it's not on LeBron. It's not. It's on the team. And I know LeBron will get flack for it. He deserves it. He's a superstar. He represents what they are. But you can't blame it all on LeBron if he doesn't win the NBA championship this year. You can't. Because this team has gone to two straight Eastern Conference Finals, and LeBron as an individual has gone to six straight. It's an insane mark, and it should be noted and marked in NBA history as, as, one, as one of, if not, the greatest individual player to carry two organizations 
to at least back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals. And in the case of the Miami Heat, four straight Eastern Conference Finals, it's unprecedented. It's historic. It's legendary. It's, it's, it's all of the adjectives above. Going into the Western Conference Finals, now look, everyone said it, and, I'll, and I won't deny it. I'm going to eat all my crow right now. All of it. I said the Eastern. I said the Western Conference Finals was done. I, I thought that the I thought that the Warriors honestly would win Game Five, and they did. They they they, they did what they needed to do, and and the Thunder played outstanding in Game Five. By the way, they played outstanding. But then this thing called Game Six happened, and I thought it was dead to rights. I said it on Friday. I said the series was over on Friday. I said that look, uh, they're going to go to Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City's going to take care of business, and uh, it was uh, it, it was just going to be a wrap. But then one guy by the name of Clay Thompson decided to show up and have, in my opinion, look, we, we talked about Steph Curry and what he did in game five against the Portland Trailblazers to, or game four, I think it was game four. We had that overtime spurt of 17 points or 15 points in overtime, whatever he did, whatever. It was an unbelievable run by Steph Curry. That was still legendary. I think Clay Thompson's performance in game six tops that. I, I really do. I, I, look, we've seen two of the greatest performances ever in what Steph Curry did in overtime against the Trailblazers and now a game six in what Clay Thompson did. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to put it above it. I'm going to put what Clay Thompson did above what Steph Curry did in that overtime period. Just from the perspective that Clay Thompson and what he did in that ball game was to put it to put it at a just very to, to be nice and to be re, like very reverent reverent about it for the Oklahoma City Thunder, it was legendary. That was a performance by Clay Thompson that we're going to step back and, and look at years to come and say, there's no way that the Warriors win the NBA championship if Clay Thompson doesn't do what he did in Game Six of the Western Conference Finals. Remember, this team was down three one. They just came back. Again, 10th team all-time to come back down 3-1 and win a series. And only the third team or fourth team to ever do so in the conference finals. What this team has done to come back and, and be gritty, look, it's, it's now with what they've done in the playoffs, look, if, if they want to be known as one of the most dominant teams of all time, I don't think that, that can be made the case anymore, especially after what they've done against the Thunder, being down 3-1. But when it comes to still being the greatest team of all time, when you win 73 games and break that record and potentially win the NBA championship, which is what they have a chance to do now again going into the NBA championship, they have a chance to do so. And what Clay Thompson did in game six, 41 points, four rebounds. He didn't have an assist. He didn't need it. 14 of 30 from the field, 11 of 18 from three. And there was a point in time where in the third quarter, and especially in the fourth, you, you felt with Clay Thompson and what he was doing, you were watching something that outside of, again, I, I'm, I don't think anything will ever top what LeBron did in 2007 against the Pistons. I just don't think it will. But when you watched that performance by Clay Thompson, especially with how the modern-day NBA has played. That was the greatest performance I, I, I think I've ever seen from a shooting guard. And that's no, that's no knock on Kobe Bryant, what he's ever done in the postseason. That's no knock on what Michael Jordan's ever done. 
But considering the circumstances and the historical ramifications and, and, and just the narrative and the storyline behind it all, I'm one to not really go with the storyline for most part. But for what Clay Thompson did in game, five, game six, I mean, he put that team on his back and said, we're going to ride or die with me, guys. And he, it was one of those where it was like, if, I'm going to probably rewatch it tonight, to be honest with you. In fact, after I'm done with the show, I'm probably going to rewatch the second half of that game six. And I'm just going to marvel at the, at the performance by Clay Thompson. It was absolutely sensational. And, and Steph Curry backed it up. He didn't shoot as well as Clay Thompson did. He had nine for 22 from the field, 31 points, a near triple-double, 10 rebounds, nine assists. And Draymond Green wasn't too bad either. He had 12 points, 12 rebounds. But, but Clay Thompson, they kept feeding him the ball too. That was the craziest part. They kept feeding him the ball, and it just it, – you just felt like something magical was going to happen every single time Clay Thompson touched the basketball. And somehow or another it did, and that whole game went to Clay Thompson. It wasn't a blowout either. This game was close all the way down to the wire. It looked like the Thunder were going to pull it out. It looked like they were kind of just playing on cruise control up until the final couple minutes. And Golden State and Clay Thompson hit a couple of shots where you were just like, okay, this team's legendary. I, I, I have nothing. I have no shade to throw at this team anymore. They can do it all from every angle. And the narrative on Steph Curry, I'm still look. The jury's still out from my perspective on the greatness of Steph Curry from the standpoint of him being a unanimous MVP of this team. How can you be a unanimous MVP when your back's against the wall and Clay Thompson is the one that carries you over the load? I'm sorry. Again, in my opinion, value. Curry doesn't create the value of this team to be unanimous. Is the MVP of the league? No debate. Absolutely no debate. But you've got, in my opinion now, the best shooting guard in the NBA in Clay Thompson. He's the best shooting guard in the NBA. Could James Harden have done what Clay Thompson did with his back against the wall down 3-2 on the road in a pressure-packed situation, needing a win with history on the line? No. Could Jimmy Butler have done it? No. I, I don't think you could name a single shooting guard outside of Clay Thompson that could do what he did on, sat, on Saturday night. Absolutely incredible circumstance. Just, in my opinion, the second greatest performance I've seen individually from a basketball player. Now, that's no knock on what Michael Jordan did in the Garden, scoring 60-plus points in the 80s or doing other things that Michael Jordan's done. But from the standpoint of needing the win, needing it desperately, for the ramifications around it, I, I can't think of anything better that, other than what LeBron James did against against the Pistons. I still can't think of a better. And Clay Thompson was just absolutely unbelievable. That that's all Game Six came down to was was Clay Thompson in the second half shutting it down in Oklahoma City. And really though, his performance down the stretch was what really made the difference. And it was just there's nothing you could describe it. It was that great. It was that. Great, and they won 108 to 101. It wasn't a blowout. They had to pull away late just to give a chance. It was that great by Clay Thompson. Unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Game seven. Look, I think we all had the sense that if this game was going back to Oklahoma City, we have a call on the line. I believe this is Steve Silver. Steve Silver, is this you? It is, man. What's going you on? You watched Game Six, didn't you? You watched Game Six of the Western Conference Finals, correct? 
You know I did. I, I want to get your take on that because I just yeah. It was you know what's interesting about it, man? I'll, I'll say this, man. To me, Game Seven was completely irrelevant. I actually think the series ended yes. in Game Six. Um, yes. Now the thing about this is, is I, I don't like to use the word choke because I, I, I think it's I think it's inappropriate. I think not being able to finish and choking are mutually exclusive. I, I don't think one goes with the other. And in Game Six, right. Let me okay. Let, I'll, I'll tell you what, man. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to Tarantino this thing. We're going to go old school and do a little Quentin Tarantino thing right here with this with this Western Conference Finals because the thing about this is when you're up three to one, and your psyche is basically yeah. saying, okay, cool. Here's the thing. We know for a fact that we have Game Six in our back pocket because we have it on our home home court. So if we lose Game Five, cool, because our safety net is going to be Game Six of the Western Conference Finals where we're going to have, you know, we're going to have the Warriors still on the ropes in our own house, so if push comes to shove, we at least have game six, and we saw what happened in game five. The thing, I, the thing, I, the, the thing that, that I felt that lost the series was when you go into the third quarter and you're up by seven. Now, this has nothing to do with the Warriors. Granted, Klay Thompson had a marvelous game six, marvelous game six, and he was the one that really set the tone to get it to game seven, and we saw what Seth Curry did in game seven. But when you're up seven, Oklahoma City was up by seven. Heading into the fourth quarter, yeah. that is what I like to call winning time. Winning time is when yep. you have two of the five best players in the league. One of them has to they, – they have to look at each other, and one of them has to say, okay, dude, it's my time. I'm going to put this team on my back, and I'm going to carry this game, uh, carry this team to the finals. Game, set, match, it's over. We have them on the ropes. And the last the – thir- the, the Thunder's last 13 possessions. Now, here's a little stat knowledge for you. They had the, their last yeah. 13 possessions in the fourth quarter. 11 of them were held by Russell Westbrook. Of those 11, mm-hmm. only two of them did he pass the ball. So nine of 13 possessions of the four, in the fourth quarter were on the hands of Russell Westbrook, who, by the way, we all, we, everybody seems to agree he's one of the top five players in the league. So he's yeah. now got the ball nine times out of 13, and we saw what happened. It just didn't go down from sometimes that is, sometimes that is basketball, and he just didn't finish. Right. So the thing about this is, is yeah, did yeah. they choke? Did they choke? They didn't. Did they just not finish the ball? Did they not finish? That's exactly what happened. Maybe you maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. But what happens yeah. is, is when you start losing the momentum and you can't finish, all of a sudden now you let your opponent come uh, seize the momentum and come through your back door. And sure enough, that's when that's when Oklahoma City was broken for good in Game Six when they couldn't finish and they couldn't close out in the clutch. Game seven to me was irrelevant. Well, here's what here's what's fascinating about that too is Game five, and this is why Game six, in my opinion, from what Clay Thompson did, was so legendary because if you if you because people won't remember this in the eons of time, but we people who know basketball and who saw this series play out will know why Clay Thompson's performance was so amazing was because of the performance in Game five by the Thunder. Look, I don't care what you say, the Thunder outplayed the Golden State Warriors in Game five. Flat out, plain and simple. They did. They, they knew that the winning was going to be very hard considering playing in Oklahoma City or in Golden State with that emotion, with that bounce back, with that crowd, with the team playing with everything they had. You know historically that that's going to be a bounce back game for especially a team in uh, uh, the, the Golden State Warriors perspective of 73-9, and nine, knowing what they've done all year. They're not going to go out and, and lose on their home court like that. That's not going to happen. And the, and the Thunder – 
to their credit, played absolutely brilliant, and they played perfect. I mean, they really did, and, and it was just one of those nights for Golden State where they just played their, their bonkers off, and to the Thunder's credit, how they played down the stretch in that game was beautiful. They fought to the very, very bitter end, and you thought going into game six with the way their mentality was, oh, this game's a wrap. I mean, Vegas thought it was a wrap. Everyone who had a knowledgeable sports fan thought it was a wrap. No one thought this was – no one. I mean, no one. No one outside of a crazy delusional Warrior fan thought that this series was going to – the Warriors were going to come back and bounce back after the way that game five went and going into game six. And I've just been saying it, and and I can't think of any other way to describe it, but I I think Clay Thompson's performance – and granted, I'm young. I'm only 20. I haven't watched basketball. I didn't watch basketball in the 80s. I've only seen YouTube clips, and and, and that's just how it is. But with Clay Thompson's performance and the narrative coming in, and especially, like you said, the way the, the Thunder were playing, they were up seven going into the fourth quarter. And I agree with you. It wasn't a choke job. You just have to understand, that, and you know this, but people listening, you have to understand that this was a seven-game series for a reason, and it went all the way down to seven games because both of these teams are so damn good, and they're so talented, and both teams have so much depth that this series, and I even said it on Twitter, I was like, I want to see another seven-game series from these guys. This is how good this series has been from the coaching, from the adjustments, from the, from the players, from the performances, from everything. It was unbelievable, and I think it could have gone another seven games if they were allowed to. It was that great, and from, from the perspective that Clay Thompson and what he did, look, the Thunder were playing their game all the way through game six. And all of a sudden, you saw Clay Thompson, guys in his face, on, on the run, you know, coming down on fast breaks, quick pull-up pull shots with 18 seconds left in the shot clock, just throwing it up, seeing what happens, and they're going in, and you're just thinking, what is there else to do? There's, sometimes, yeah. like you said, it's not, it's not that it's not winning time for Russ, because like you said, Russell Westbrook had the ball late in the game. Like you said, I think just sometimes the ball just doesn't go in. They were attacking the basket, still playing their game, but Clay Thompson was just absolutely putting his hand in the throats of the Golden of the Oklahoma City Thunder and saying, "Guess what? I ain't dying today." And that's exactly what he did. And he pulled a Jordan. He pulled a he pulled a whoever you also want, want to put out there. Ray Allen, uh, Game Six of right. the 2013 NBA Finals. He pulled it out. I mean. Whether we like it or not, and I was thinking about this comparison today on my way to work early in the morning. You know, this is how much I think when I'm when I'm driving around doing things as I prep for my show. It's on the go. As those of you who are listening, I, let's be honest. Clay Thompson today is the modern day Ray Allen of the Sonics. That's what he is. I mean, let's well, just be honest. He plays like, exactly like him. Like I don't want to take anything away from Golden State because they deserve all the credit. Any time that you can come from the dead back from back from three one. Uh, Obviously, you're going to get a, you're going to get a, get a heap of the a heap of the uh, you know heap of the praise. Uh, the thing about this is is you know to your point about Clay Thompson, you're absolutely right. What's interesting, you you expect it to be Steph Curry, but what's interesting about it through you know through the decades, and you, you mentioned that you 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 know you didn't watch basketball back in the '80s. Well, I did. And what's kind of funny about this is to me he's yeah. he's Danny Ainge. To me he's Dan Marley. To me he's you know John Paxton. Uh, Steve Kerr, Robert Ory, Joe the Dumont. secondary the, the secondary stars where where it's when your when your main bread and butter is just not where it's not clicking. You have that secondary star star that 
has the capability of putting that team on its shoulders. And that's the, the, the only reason why they're in the finals right now is because Clay, Clay Thompson's performance in game six. Yes. That, I mean, that's it. Absolutely. Period, point blank. And that, and that was, 100%. that was, that was the difference between if they would, they would have been able to withstand the, the, the thunder would have been, been able to withstand them going somewhat ice cold in the fourth quarter had Clay Thompson not been able, you know, not been able to do what he did. And I, I think that goes, yeah. I think that goes leaps and bounds beyond what everybody thinks. And you're absolutely right. I mean, that that was his coming out party. He'll never be, he'll never be regarded as a primary superstar because you know when you're playing on the same team as as a dude like Steph Curry, and rightfully so, he's completely deserving of the NBA. But what's kind of funny is you can't have championship championship teams without that secondary star. You can't do it. Just like just like Jordan does it without Pip. Jordan could have done it without Pippen. Olajuwon could have done it without Cassell and you know Cassell and Drexler. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You're, you're, you have to have you have to have the you you have to have the secondary the, you know that secondary star. The difference between Oklahoma City and say the, the what separates Oklahoma City is because one of them wants to be the primary finisher but can't in the clutch, and the other one wants to defer in the clutch. That's you know that's that's what right. separates Oklahoma City, and I and, and me personally that's why they're that's this is what's disheartening about it. And again, I don't want to take anything away from I really don't want to take anything away right. from uh, Golden State because they completely earned the right to play for the championship. But that's why yes. Oklahoma City will never win a championship because we saw that you would expect this four years ago when they lost to the Heat in the finals. Their first it's their first go around in the finals, and you you don't expect them to win. But when they lose, and they lose in that type of manner, okay, cool, it's the first go-round, so you're going to have to learn how to adjust. And so the next time you get into those situations deep in a playoff run, you have, you, you, you have every idea of what it's going to take to close out games. And now you're seeing this up 3-1. You have three opportunities. to You, you have them on the ropes, and you let, the, you let your foot off their throat in game five. You find a way, you find a way to not be clutch in game six, and by game seven, your will is completely, completely broken. To me, this is this – is, I, like I, again, I don't want to take away anything from Golden State, but what's interesting about this is you have two, uh, arguably two of the best top five players in this league, and one of them can't yep. finish, and the other one doesn't want to finish. That's, well, I'll tell you, you that's this. More, that, I mean, that was actually more disheartening than anything else about this series. Well, reminds me about what, what, I have a I have a feeling about this Oklahoma City team and what they remind me of is they remind me of, and I, and I always think about this with Kevin Durant, because, you know, when you make a comparison between guys like LeBron James and Kevin Durant, it reminds me a lot of, like, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Like, and, and, and how it reminds me of that is LeBron James is like Tom Brady from the standpoint of, look, I mean, I just mentioned it, six straight NBA finals, and, it's, and, and he's been six straight. I mean, think about this, Steve. Since I've turned 20 years old, LeBron James has been in the NBA finals. Think about that. I'm 25. That, that, that yep. is insane. Like, that is nuts. He's the only non-Celtic in NBA history to do it. So, basically, outside of the, the 60s era, 60s and 70s era, when no one these days really understands that era of basketball, since then, LeBron's been the best thing we've seen when it comes to consistency. Granted, it's the Eastern Conference, and no one will debate that. But right. still, he is so great that he makes the East look like, like it's garbage, which is not a fair statement. Don't get me wrong. There's more talent in the West overall. But from the standpoint of these are – Still grown professionals. This isn't like minor leagues in baseball. These are professional basketball players who made it to the highest level of basketball, and this guy makes it look easy. Kevin Durant well, reminds me so much of Peyton Manning from the standpoint of, if you think about it, Tom Brady, 
And granted, I know quarterback is not like the NBA where NBA you play both sides of the ball or in quarterback, but Tom Brady is kind of a more passive quarterback. He doesn't throw the long ball as well as, as you know, like Peyton Manning could. Peyton Manning could get his receivers open, whereas Tom Brady would use what's to his disposal. LeBron is a guy where he uses what's to his disposal, whereas Peyton Manning makes guys pro bowlers like Reggie Wayne, uh, Marvin Harrison. That's no knock on Marvin Harrison. He's a Hall of Famer. But that's, that's just making – Marvin Harrison would not have been as good if he was on a different, on a different team than if he had Peyton Manning. You know what I'm saying? And Kevin Durant, from the scoring perspective – I'm not saying he makes other guys better around him better from the standpoint of scoring, but in the NBA perspective, he is such a damn good scorer. In fact, in my opinion, outside of Carmelo Anthony on, on a blue moon type of night, Kevin Durant's the best scorer on a consistent basis in the NBA just because of his length, his ability to get to the rim, sure. and how he attacks the paint, and his mid-range game. He's that scary. That's kind of how Peyton Manning – he reminds me of Peyton Manning from that perspective. And from the legacy perspective of he just – right now – for some reason, he just can't get over the hump. And I have a weird feeling that if he stays in Oklahoma City and he stays and it sounds like a two-year, one-year option after his first, after that first year of the deal and he has an option, I got a weird feeling that next year if Billy Donovan comes back, which he will, and they come back and they gel together as a team, that team is going to be super dynamic scary because they saw what they did last year or this year, and there was a stat brought up uh, on the Dan Patrick show, and I hate to reference other shows, but it's just a fact this Oklahoma City team, they won seven of six. They won seven of thirteen games against two of the best teams in the NBA, and they beat them on the road at least once in each of those series. That's insane. This team is right now. They're, they're in my opinion, they're the third best team in the NBA going into next year, just based on talent alone. And if they can find a way to stay together, which is tough considering the offseason that the NBA is about to have, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Before we recap the rest of the series, uh, game seven again, 96-88, the Golden State Warriors got it done, the 10th team all time uh, to come back being down 3-1, the fourth team ever in conference finals history to get it done, uh, to come back down from 3-1. Steph Curry again, 36 points. Again, proving why he's the MVP. And again, I I, I always have a, I have a problem with Steph Curry, but I'm starting to come around a little bit, understanding his overall game. And look, he's he's in my opinion, Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. But to his credit, and I need to give him more credit than I have been giving him. He he's found a way to really utilize his game and not set it up only from the outside. And he's and he's he's been doing it. He's been doing it, but. As the playoffs have progressed and as time has moved on, and you saw it multiple times throughout the game last night, he has found a way to really set up his game inside out more than outside in these days, which, is, to his credit, is how basketball was originated and how it was supposed to be made, and he's finding a way to do that more often than not. It's just even more scary when his shot is draining. Steve, is there anything else you want to say about the Western Conference Finals before we, uh, before we move on and, and talk about some more things about the NBA? Mm, no, no, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, I think we're, we're good. good. I, I, there's, there's a lot. Well, you know, I, I will say, and and I don't want to get too much onto it, but I will say that you know, you know, to your, you know, to your, uh, your point right there at the end, I don't think it really matters. Um, even if he does come back to Oklahoma City, I, I think it, I don't think it changes anything. I don't think this team has the has the will. Uh, I, I don't like. I don't want to. I don't want to question anybody's heart or their, you know, or their sure. willingness to win. But you know, this, this, this. I would. I wouldn't. This, this series loss shows shows a lot about their will to win, 
especially when their back's against the wall, because it's equally as pressure, you know, for the was for it was the Golden State Warriors to come back, but it's also right. pressure to close out on the other end as well. And we saw them with three opportunities to close it out, and they didn't want it in all three games. They just didn't want it. And when whenever they spoke, there there was no they they never spoke with an air of confidence like they got it. Like you, I mean, if you recall Kobe, right. Shaq back, you know, Shaq. Whenever, even if they said one word answers. You just knew that they had an air of confidence. Even if they dropped Game Five, going back into the building in Game Six, they had they always they always knew they had it in the back. It, it's it to me. It just this team. I, I don't I don't. It doesn't matter if he comes back to Oklahoma City. I don't think it changes anything. So you think they're kind of you, you think that the you think that the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder are a lot like the Clippers from a standpoint of being cursed. Not to say that they they grab the he, curse from the Sonics, but they're they're kind of cursed in a way. Well, yeah, I just I think just the way that the way that this thing is built. Um, not to say that Kevin Durant will never win a championship or even Russell Westbrook. It, for right. whatever reason, together, together, just the way that things have gone and the way things gone down. I just don't think they find a way to to make it work in Oklahoma City. I don't think it changes anything. I mean, this was their, their best opportunity to win a championship, and they had it. They had everything going for them, and they figured out a way to mess it up. I mean, I, I don't, I can't remember the last time yeah. a team figured out how to mess up something so good that quick. Well, and I think another thing too is, and I was going to talk to you about this as well, is is in this Western Conference Finals, there was some odd coaching decisions being made uh, in in not not necessarily Game Five, but Game Six, and especially in Game Seven. And they were talking. I've been hearing it on the radio lately, and I've been I've been just thinking about it in my head. It's like. The first four games of this series, especially the the, the, the middle three, uh, after game one, game two, game three, and game four, when Oklahoma City, uh, and I know I know the Golden State Warriors bounced back in game two, but game three and game four, Oklahoma City forced the Golden State Warriors to play their game. Then, all of a sudden, in game five, Warriors, the Warriors bounced back, but Golden State still forced them. Excuse me, not Golden State. Oklahoma City still forced them to play their game in, right. in Game Five, even though the even though the Warriors won. And in Game Six, Clay Thompson went crazy, but the Golden State Warriors still had to play the Oklahoma City way. And, and, and there were points in times where the, where the small ball still occurred and things started. And you started to see kind of a weird little shift in Billy Donovan's strategy of saying, hey, I think we maybe we do need to play small just to keep up in transition to get away from trying to slow down Clay Thompson. I think, and again, this just goes into the whole narrative of why Clay Thompson's game six was so legendary. It's because he, <laughs> he just flat out made Billy Donovan freak out a little bit. In game seven, you saw it because – First off, you're going to be scared because of Steph Curry, but then just knowing what Clay Thompson did in game, game six, which you saw early on in game seven, he was really slow. Clay Thompson couldn't get a shot off until midway through the second. He was 0-7 until midway, midway point of the second quarter. That was when he finally got something going. But I think Billy Donovan was so freaked out from what Clay Thompson did in game six, knowing that he could easily do it in game seven, that I think he overcompensated playing a smaller lineup to compensate right. to try and cover a guy like Clay Thompson and cover Steph Curry, that then he fell into the trap of what the Golden State Warriors wanted, which is exactly what you play don't want to do right. against this team. You can't play the Golden State Warrior team the way they want you to play because that's when the moment you play ditto game with them, you play the exact same game you want, you lose. That's the moment you lose. Right. And that was, I think, the moment the, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder lost. And that just goes to show what how great, Clay Thompson's performance is the more you start to layer out his performance, it really layered out. Like you said, 
the Warriors, or excuse me, the Thunder, if they would have just stuck to their game plan and been mentally tough and said, no, we're still going to have Ibaka, Cantor, Adams, Durant, and Westbrook out on the floor, and we're going to make you play our game and just just settle and, and, and wait and be patient behind. And that's, and that's not just the players. That's the coaching staff that made these plays. Sure. If they would have just sat back and said, let's, Let's hunker down, like like in uh, what do you call it? Uh, the Perfect Storm? Have you ever seen the Perfect Storm? Have you ever sure. seen that movie George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg? Sure. That moment when the storm gets nasty and it is bad, you gotta just find a way to hunker down for another five minutes and just settle the storm as the bench comes in and find a way and say, look, we're still gonna play our game. It's on the road. It's crazy bananas loud in here. It's gonna be hard. But if we just stick to our game plan, slow down the pace, stay big, and let them go on their quick little spurt, we can come back, have them take tough shots, play tough defense, and, that, and once that, that storm settles, we're going to get back to our game, and we're going to dominate the paint down low and do what we do best. And the stats only show that. They had the same amount of assists last night in Game 7. They still, they still played great. They still rebounded the ball great, still found a way to stay consistent, the problem was the coaching staff found a way to, to muddle it up, and then the players went back to old habits. It, it, I, heard, I heard a perfect analogy on the radio again today as the, uh, the, the, Golden, the Oklahoma City Thunder are kind of like an addict. Now, this is no knock on addicts and people who are addicted to drugs or, 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 or you know, alcohol or anything. This is just an analogy, but it's just the same type of thing. They went back to their old habits. They got ahead of one hero ball shot. Kevin Durant got hot late in the game at one point, and they just said, screw it. We're throwing it all out on the window. We don't care anymore. Screw the game plan. We're going to go back to it. And the coaches didn't help when they fell in love with trying to play small ball with the Golden State Warriors. That was the moment the game got lost from the Thunder, and that was when you saw the Golden State Warriors really take over the rest yeah. of the game. Um, well, you know, what's I, interesting about it, I think, I, think you, I, I think you hit it right on the head. I think Billy Donovan – now you have to understand. Like you would, you wouldn't think Billy Donovan would get caught up in the moment, just considering he's been there before. Maybe a little, it's a little bit different than being on the college level. But you know, you, when you're in big games and you're waking your way through the tournament, you kind of learn how to just kind of keep an even, even keel. But then again, you're up three-one, and you got the, you got a team that won seventy-three games in the regular season that's already been anointed one of the best, you know, one of the one of the best team, top ten teams of all time, and you got them on the ropes at three-one. I think maybe he got a little ahead of himself. Because let's be perfectly honest. Golden State doesn't play a compelling brand of basketball. As a matter of fact, I actually I actually dislike the way Golden yep. State plays basketball because they don't do anything except for camp at the three point line. They don't they don't attack the rim at all. As a matter of fact, the only time they attack they, they, they attack the rim is if they have a if they have a, a mismatch with Draymond Green. No, they might defense. be able they might There's be able no to get defense. him free. Yeah, they, they might get them free cutting to the basket or something like that. But for the most part, they they sit up they sit at the three point line. They don't create their own shots. They just use their speed to exploit whatever space they have on the floor. The only difference between them and Oklahoma City is they're just a better shooting team, so they can make those shots. Oklahoma City plays back to the basket, and what I like about Oklahoma City is they they grind it out. They don't play an up tempo type, type of game. They play a half court game, 
and you know they they go from the outside in, and when they start taking threes, it's when it's when when they're down on the low block, and you know if there's nothing there, then they kick back out to the outside, and they have some equally equally as decent shooters. It's when you start getting when you start getting into the overly you know the when you start getting uh, too hyped up and playing uh, what that was exactly what we saw them trying to them trying to go small, and what happens is you don't see you don't see good spacing on the floor because they're not passing the ball, and you and you happen to see Russell Westbrook just try to take games over instead of just taking a deep breath and slowing the tempo down slowing the tempo down and doing something that Golden State simply just does not like to do which is play a half court they're not built to play a half court game and what was interesting about it is we saw that midway through the third quarter getting into the you know getting into the uh, into the fourth quarter in game 6 when you started seeing uh, Clay Thompson they didn't. They didn't have an answer for it, and all of a sudden they felt compelled to run with them for some reason. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "What are you doing? Stick to what. Stick to what exactly. has given you a three. Stick to what's given you a three-one advantage. Play the classics. There's nothing wrong with spinning. Uh, spinning old school Eagles albums. Guess what? I, I know it sounds boring. Right. Everybody's heard the Eagles, but guess what? It's a classic. Stick to what. Stick to what has gotten you to that point, and stick to what's gotten you to that point. And you're going to be able to weather that storm. But sure enough, and you hit it right on the head. Once once they felt compelled to run with Golden State, it was over. And and that's you know to me it gets back to you're you're not going to be able to finish if you're not even if you're not in the position to be comfortable. They did, they looked uncomfortable it, on the floor. It was one of those it was one of those things where, like I said, I wish this series would have gone another I mean I wish this series could have gone another 7 because it was such compelling basketball and such a great series I mean I can't think of a western conference finals that I've been more excited about I mean I wish it would have been Spurs and Warriors but I mean hey we got just as good of a western conference finals that we could have asked for in a 7 game series now granted there was some drama obviously coming back from 3-1 as the as the Warriors did and we saw all that but we saw some adjustments some amazing play like you said the Warriors just shot the ball better, and I think, like you said, if the if the Golden if the uh, if the Thunder would have just had maybe like I, I thought about this the other day too, like if the Thunder just had a big shot, Bob, I don't think the Warriors have a chance. Like I'm dead serious. I think if the Warriors had or the Thunder had a guy who could hit shots in the clutch as a big man up top, I think they would. I think they would easily win multiple chances. I'm not saying Robert Ory's an amazing player, but just saying from the standpoint of getting of really shifting momentum, that's what Robert Ory did. Now, granted, he had a lot of game winners, but there were times, and I saw this in San Antonio as a Spurs fan when I was younger. There were times where Robert Ory, with about five minutes left in a ball game, especially in the era back in the mid-2000s when you saw games really slow down to points where you saw games being like 80 to 75 type ball games near the end. You saw like games with five minutes to go and being like 70 to 72, and Big Shot Bob hits a three-pointer with two seconds on the shot clock, five minutes to go, and it's a five-point ball game. That feels like a mountain to climb. That's the kind of stuff that the Thunder don't have. They have guys off the bench like Anthony Morrow and other guys, you know, Kevin Durant can shoot it from distance, but they don't have guys that can just – have that have that mentality to shift momentum. Clay Thompson can do that. Steph Curry can yep. do that. You got other guys that can. That's the difference. That was the difference in this series, and that's ultimately why the Thunder won it. And obviously, and I got to hear this from you. You got to say go Cougs. I mean, come on now. That was one of the greatest greatest performances by a Cougar of all time in NBA history. 
Uh, well, I mean, that's that's you know, <laughs> that's I'm, I'm, that's funny that you mentioned that. And of course, you're going to get a Goku. <laughs> uh, you're going to get one. You, 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 it, it, they don't even have to be on the floor, and you're going to get one. We can just be talking off the phone, and I'll just I'll just give you one because why wouldn't I give you a Goku? But no, it's <laughs> it, 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 you're absolutely right, and I think that was I, I think that's what separates Golden State from a lot of a, a lot of other teams. Is you're right, they just they just have the shooters. And it's, it doesn't just go with the top two. They they have guys that they have guys that can snipe you as well too. Uh, you know, from the outside, Harrison Barnes is another is another underrated uh, underrated sharpshooter. But what's interesting about it is, um, you know, come the finals though, the 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 thing that I'm worried about is, I, I've never seen Golden State like this in in a, in a situation where now they've exuded all of their energy. Uh, coming back from right. one, it takes it takes a lot out of you, and they don't have the benefit of what Cleveland was able to do, which was get rid of Toronto in a timely fa- fashion, use that extra two days, probably use one of them just to stay away from the game of basketball and decompress and get their minds right for the finals. And now you're dealing with a healthy Cleveland Cavaliers team with both Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, and you happen to know that you're going to go up against a, a motivated, a highly motivated LeBron James to win this series, and now you're coming back on, like, what, one, maybe two days rest? To start game one. Yeah. Now, granted, you got four games in your building, but I don't know, man. I I got to be honest with you. I, I I think I might like Cleveland in five. Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna give my prediction on Thursday, uh, right before the NBA final game one begins, um, and that's a really good teaser to go into that one. Um, but I'm definitely gonna give my prediction. Then I I said Cavs in seven. I may change it. I'll definitely talk about it uh, on Thursday. If you'd like to call in, uh, Steve, feel free to do so. I don't know we'll if you want to give your prediction here now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm um, but, taking uh, Cleveland in five, man. I'm taking Cleveland in five. I like it. Uh, you, one question before I let you go. Um, you think KD is gonna leave Oklahoma City? He has apparently nine teams are looking to potentially try and get him in the off season and guys like Isaiah Thomas. And it's funny is I live right down the road from where Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas went to school. I just moved to university place. So I literally yep. can see Curtis from my, from my room. And uh, Isaiah Thomas is one of the guys trying to get him to Boston. Joel Embiid trying to get him to the 76ers. You got a whole bunch of guys trying to recruit him. Where do you think he goes? Just kind of, just give an idea out there. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what, I, I know that you're a, you're a, a proponent of uh, KD going to uh, KD going to Boston, um, I you know it's kind of, I, I like the idea of uh, you know uh, him going to Miami because I think Pat Riley uh, and and that ownership group has has more than the ability to uh, um, you know to to get that deal done. I don't see Oklahoma I don't see him him returning to Oklahoma City just because I I think really I think he's given everything uh, to that organization to that yeah. fan to, to yeah. that fan group and like I said earlier, man, I just. I don't think there, I don't think anything is going to change. I, I think he's one of those type of dudes that doesn't want to rebuild. I think he wants to win, and so I think Oklahoma City is going to be in the mix because obviously they can win. They're, they're still going to be a very good yes. team, but ultimately I just think I, I think he, he goes somewhere else. And keep this team in mind. And I know this is this is very under the radar, sure. but think about this: a team that has nothing but nothing but cap room has you know has the potential to have a pretty decent draft and just got a new head coach by the name of Frank Vogel in Orlando. As the, as the cap, oh, if you went to Orlando, that'd be crazy. No, seriously, has and, and, and I know you laugh, but what's kind of funny about this is Frank Vogel has a good reputation around this league as being a very good players coach, and you saw exactly what he did 
has the, what he did with Indiana, which a lot of people thought that was a very, very underrated roster, and he was able to do some very good things in Indiana. The thing about this is they have the cap space. They, have to, they, they also potentially could have a, a, very, a fairly decent draft situation coming up, but they also have the cap space to do two things. Number one, if they want to, if they want to give – uh, if they want to give Ke- uh, Kevin Durant uh-huh. the max money, they can. But they also can give Mike yes. Connolly Jr. the max money as well too. And they can all they can also Ooh. give they can also give Kevin Durant the facilitator that he's been lacking in Oklahoma City. And they can actually they can actually put him in a good situation in Orlando with a very very good coach that has been has been to the brink of the finals. Keep that in mind. I like I, I don't, I, the more that I think I about it, the more I like Orlando. I don't laugh at that from the standpoint of I don't think it could happen. I've actually brought up the idea in the past. Look, if if Orlando found a way to get Kevin Durant, I'm just telling you right now, that's an Eastern Conference Finals team right now. Could they beat? Could they beat? Look, here's the thing: if Kevin Durant goes to any of the teams we've meant that you've mentioned, the Heat, the Celtics, Orlando, you're you're just you're you're, you're asking for Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Eastern Conference Finals, May of 2017. That's going to happen. Like that will happen. NBA will make it happen somehow, some way or another. It will happen. Like that's just how it is. Those teams that we just mentioned, it, those teams are all on the brink, if not on the cusp. Miami could easily get to the NBA – not easily, but they could get to the NBA Finals next year if they picked up Kevin Durant. Boston Celtics could, could easily contend with the Cavs if they get Kevin Durant. Orlando could easily make a deep run to the playoffs. Will they get to the final? I don't think so, but can, they can contend with, with, with Cleveland getting there. They won't win it, but they'll definitely have a chance with that talent, especially the young talent. Oh, my God. Victor Oladipo, Alfred uh, yeah. Payton, Kevin Durant, Nikola Vucevic. Uh, that's, a, that's a terrifying team if that happens, but – I agree with you, Steve. Hey, Steve, thank you again for coming on, man. Uh, yes, I'll get you out of here on this note, man. I'm excited for the NBA Finals. I know you are as well. Next show's on Thursday, buddy. Same time, same place, man. Have a good one. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, I'll see you later. All right, that's, that's Steve Silver, my main man out here in the Pacific Northwest. I love that guy. Uh, he's got his own show. He does it, I believe, every Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, or Wednesday. I don't know. Uh, go check him out, Steven Silver. Go check out his, uh, his, his, his Twitter at InsiderSteve on Twitter. Now, a couple of things before we get out of here. Obviously, this show went longer than a half an hour. I expect it to only go a half an hour. It went the full hour. We're going to go the full hour. Raptors have mentioned that their goals this offseason is, is to keep DeMar DeRozan. The Lakers are apparently not too high on DeMar DeRozan, so they may not sign him. All the rumors have been saying that DeMar DeRozan is going to go to Los Angeles Lakers, but apparently the Raptors are trying to get him to a max deal, and they're also going to try and keep Dwayne Casey as well. looks like the Raptors are going to try and get another solid run going. I think if they really want to focus on getting better on top of re-signing DeMar DeRozan and keeping Dwayne Casey, they really need to improve that bench. That bench has clearly shown, yes, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they played two seven-game series just to get there. Their bench needs to get better, and they need to develop a system where that second unit can get better as time moves forward. David Blatt's going to move back to Turkey, and he's going to go coach there. Apparently, he's finalizing a deal to go coach back in overseas. I believe that's probably where he just deserves to be. He was that beforehand, and he was the Greg Popovich of overseas basketball. Apparently, he won like five championships. He's one of the best overseas basketball coaches of all time. He's going to go back to his stomping grounds, and he's going to get done. Sad news, in New Orleans, Bryce DeJean Jones uh, died entering a stranger's home over the weekend. I believe he was only at the age of 23. Very young man. Uh, rest in peace to him, and hopefully him and his family, or obviously him, not him, but his family, uh, are, are grieving uh, in a very peaceful manner over this weekend. Uh, more than just a Memorial Day weekend for that. That's not supposed to be a funny pun, but uh, unfortunately that circumstance happened in New Orleans. Hopefully all is well there. But that was one of the breaking news stories that happened 
over the weekend. Uh, and another thing before we get out of here, we have about a minute left uh, after I say the story. Bradley Beal is looking for a max deal in Washington. Are you out of your mind, Bradley Beal? Apparently he's looking for a five-year max deal. And I don't know what I don't know what he's thinking. He's he's never healthy. He can't get it done. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. Bradley Beal cannot get a max deal. He's always injured. He's always hurt. It's just no, not not going to happen. No way. Not no how. And one final thing. Yes, we got about a minute left on the show here on the Hooper's Log. Uh, apparently, Darren Collison. You thought that Rajon Rondo and Demarcus Cousins had per, had character issues. Apparently, Darren Collison just got arrested for a domestic violence case. <laughs> uh, this is crazy stuff going on in the NBA right now. A lot like uh, Ty Lawson with his props off the court. Looks like Darren Collison has similar issues going on as well. We'll have more on that on Thursday. Obviously, Thursday will be episode 147. Same time, same place. 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll preview the NBA Finals Game 1. And we'll also talk about any other rumors and crazy stories going on in the world of basketball as they come up front. Thank you so much again for listening, everybody. Have a great one. Enjoy these next couple of days off, and the NBA Finals is in two days. Have a good one, everybody. Enjoy yourselves. We'll see you then. We'll see you Thursday, episode 147. Have a good night.